0: lecture thirteen part two of the groundwork of the christian virtues by william bernard Ullathorne. this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture thirteen on the foolish vice of vanity part two there is also an indirect way of exhibiting one's own excellence by ostentatiously upholding one's equality with others or one's superiority over them a person may do this in any of four ways the first regards his intelligence and shows itself in discord sticking to his own opinion and refusing to give way even after he sees that another is nearer the truth or is altogether right whilst he is in the wrong the second regards the will and this is obstinacy when a man will not give up his own will and way for the sake of peace and agreement with others the third regards speech and this is contention when a man clamorously disputes and contends for no justifiable reason but only to satisfy his vanity the fourth regards facts and this is disobedience when for any of the above motives A person refuses to obey his superior vanity is evidently the root of every one of these vicious habits and as this same vanity springs from pride and self-love it is also evident that the one true remedy for all of them is humility there are disorders in the human frame that cause alarm because they are visible and painful to the sufferer but when the physician is called in he sees that what has caused alarm is only symptomatic of a disorder more deeply seated of which the patient is unconscious he therefore soothes and assuages the more sensitive and symptomatic disorder but directs his chief attention and stronger remedies to the radical disease that is more hidden well knowing that when that is removed the symptomatic disease will disappear what cures pride cures vanity and what cures vanity cures those more ostensible disorders that spring from vanity the remedy therefore will be found in humility the seven daughters of vanity have all a strong family likeness to pride with the same bad blood and the same vicious temper vanity also though of lighter carriage has this resemblance to pride that the more hidden it is the more dangerous it is it is never without some plausible pretext to cover its weakness and this is not unfrequently the entertainment instruction or good of other persons which seem to ennoble vanity with charity or it is the removal of misconceptions in doing but fair justice to oneself and so the pretext is but common justice although the real object all the while is self-glorification some persons not a few cover their outward persons with vanity in dress and manners and make themselves beacons of levity with as bad a taste socially as mentally and spiritually they hang out a sign on which this inscription is plainly legible the vanity of vain-glory to be had cheaply within others more grave in outward form love to parade their knowledge or experience before it is asked for embarrassing the common right of freedom with the ventilation of their vanity others again are forward and intrusive unable to be patient until their singular merits are recognized and their superiority admitted some will tell you or would have you to think that they are too proud to be vain which is a very coarse vanity out of a pride too gross to understand its offensiveness there is a morose and apparently retiring vanity as well as a light and salient variety and the last is innocent in comparison with the first the thoughtless coquette of vanity is not by any means so bad as the calculating prude a plain exterior will sometimes cover more vanity than a gay one as sovereigns dress plainly for distinction from the brilliant circle around them but whatever the outward shows of vanity they are but symptoms of the malady within and show themselves more in manner than in material for vanity is less in show than in acts less in acts than in words less in words than in thoughts and less in thoughts than in those inward movements of self-love from which as from their secret springs all the shows of vanity proceed vanity is a light fond motion of the soul but wonderfully elastic its worst effect is that it makes the soul empty and inane for the motive of vanity rests on nothing solid on nothing that long abides neither on god nor on truth nor on justice nor even on any abiding human affection it rests not even on self in any steady way as pride does which gives it a sort of evil consistency that does not belong to vanity for in vanity a man seeks himself in the ever shifting and uncertain opinions of other persons and is always flitting like the butterfly from flower to flower from one to another taking its color like the chameleon from what is nearest at the time it is this extroverted and ever changing character of vanity always under the influence of other persons opinions and ever casting about for flattery that so much weakens the prudence and judgment of the vain it may be taken as a maxim that where sound judgment and habitual tact is required It should never be looked for where vanity is the predominant weakness st bernardine of siena a man with vast experience of human nature as well as great spiritual insight has taken special note of this fact much he says is the malice of the vanities affecting the mind with such a weakness that when these vanities pass into the affections the whole judgment of reason is thrown into perturbation what st bernardine has so justly observed may be noted by any one who unites a little modesty of mind with observation pride as we have said has a certain evil consistency because its motive though false is within the man but vanity has its motive in other persons whom it is always endeavouring to conciliate or to draw into admiration and is therefore inclined to a compromising policy then it is always shifting its ground and is one thing to one person and another to another its object is always changing so that it has no consistent ground even of the human kind on which to rest a permanent judgment even when judgment concerns other things than vanity its motives will be constantly intruding and suggesting how this or that will look in the eyes of those whose esteem or flattery we covet thus vanity makes our judgments timid and uncertain or warps them from their just course and our conclusions are often hesitating or contrary to what is wise and just or not in accordance with the truth. They take not the high ground of what is best before God, but the low one of what is agreeable to men, or what is most for one's own display, and not unfrequently end in some compromising of principle. Upon the destruction wrought on our good works by vanity, we may take the calm judgment of St. Basil, a most eminent guide of souls most especially he says we must shun vainglory it will not frighten us from labour though this would be a less evil but it deprives us of the crown of labour this insidious traitress to our salvation is not easily got rid of she sets her snares in the very orbs of heaven bringing down those virtues to the earth that have their ties in heaven the good merchant of piety may have well freighted his ship with all sorts of virtue and vainglory may raise a tempest that will endanger the sinking of his precious goods he is steering his way to the supernal kingdom but if he looks back to the meaner things left behind and especially to vainglory the blasts of vanity will scatter the wealth of his soul and overset the foundation that carries his virtues when we seek rewards from men for what we have done for heaven we destroy the fruit of those labors which ought to be given to god that he may keep them and reward them but if we prefer the glory of men to the service of god and seek the vain reward of human praise we shall deservedly lose the divine reward for we have not worked for god but have hired ourselves out to men and after boasting of their reward what right have we to look to god for reward seeing that we had no intention of acting from his grace learn this truth from the gospel where christ says of those who do their works to be seen of men amen i say to you they have received their reward let us shun vainglory then that agreeable thief of spiritual wealth that pleasant enemy of our soul that moth of the virtues which eats into our good things so sweetly vainglory mingles its poison with honey and hands the fraudful cup to the minds of men that they may be filled with the vicious draught for human praise is sweet to the inexperienced when subject to vanity they think that nothing can take them from sound judgment into error yet their thoughts and judgments are so utterly perverted that whatever the multitude admire they take to be most excellent if they have little souls or rash minds they will be ready to accept anything whatever these wise judges of conduct think the best however evil it may be and will be eager to do what may win their praises thus vanity not only destroys good but leads to evil it is just therefore that we fix our eyes on right reason with preference and on the god who rules right reason and that we take the path on which god moves before us to lead us right if some should praise us on the way we need not take much notice of their praise except to congratulate their sound judgment but keep straight on with eyes raised to god whose praise is always just if others should dispraise this way that is no reason for us to turn back but a reason rather for compassionating their want of judgment and their mental darkness all that we have said brings us to this principle that true glory depends on the judgment of god and on the conformity of the human with the divine judgment but vainglory takes the direct opposite course and not only values the judgments of men beyond their worth but neglects to compare them with the judgments of god as expressed in the conscience and why this neglect except in the interests of self-love and pride under the influence of these fictitious interests we not only believe good of ourselves that does not exist but long for others and if possible for everybody to believe this falsehood The remedy for this disorder is unquestionably in the exercise of that most sincere of virtues, which wars against pride and all its offspring, and which bears the name of holy humility. Through the honesty of this virtue, we look to the evil within us rather than to the good. We judge the evil and conceal the good, lest vanity corrupt the good into evil as the evil within us is true though not according to truth humility is willing that even that truth be known where the honour of god and the good of our neighbour do not forbid its being known who can tell how many vanities are united in vainglory vanity of vanities it unites a thousand vanities to the shame of human nature you have only to watch its interior movements or even its indicator the sensitive responsive tongue and it springs in light wave after wave of emotion from self-love as it is attracted by one external motive after another and with the agile play of subtle contrivances seeks to win undeserved applause and unmerited admiration nay the scenes of vanity can even be acted in solitude upon an imaginary stage before an imaginary audience where self-love will supply both the vanity and its flatterers yet vain are all these little human glories when brought to the light of conscience the ready dissolver of all such follies they are vain because their flatterers are vain and they are vain because those who accept flattery for truth are vain the subsistence of vanity is a creature of imagination for vanity is an artist of fiction and a servant of self-love but when truth steps in with its revelations it causes soreness sorrow sadness or anger yet for the sake of these fictions we become the slaves of opinion And of an opinion that is rarely sincere and that cannot judge rightly because the interior is closed against the eyes of opinion. This many tongued opinion is more capable of imagining than of judging and of feigning compliments that have no serious meaning attached to them. Yet on this imaginary good the vain think to grow, to become better, and to rise superior to their neighbours examine all this and there is nothing in it but a fantastical folly that makes us first blind next unhappy then ridiculous for to gain the reputation of vanity is to become a jest as nothing in human nature is so sensitive as vanity there is nothing that suffers more it is easily wounded often mortified and frequently disappointed a word from an innocent child may bring it to confusion and as vanity is a jealous and an envious vice it suffers much from the success of others hence the vain or censorious and love to pull down or to hear others pull down those who seem to be more in favour it is said in holy scripture that the perverse are with difficulty corrected This perversity belongs to the dull and the vain but especially to the vain but with the dull it is a simple want of intelligence but the vain man has such an image of his perfection before his eyes that when you point out his failings he cannot recognize them as belonging to that image give a much needed advice especially intended for him and if there are fifty persons present he will applaud its wisdom and see its application to every one but himself give him the same advice in private and whatever be the wisdom and authority of the adviser and however kind and gentle the admonition it wounds him to the quick that any one should think of him that of which he is so utterly unconscious although everybody sees it but himself there is no armour so impenetrable to advice as the chainmail of vanity in an ancient book on the contemplative life long ascribed to st prosper we have one of the most complete descriptions of the internal evils of vanity ever written and with an abridged summary of this description we conclude this lecture for if anything will deter from vanity It must be a knowledge of the evils that it involves vanity is the inflated affection of a soul that languishes after a variety of inane delights the vain eager after honour know not how to gain honour but are puffed with a disease of fancied excellence that is hollow morbid and restless the imperious mistress of light souls vanity has her own bland ways that are unpleasant to solid minds and when she has captivated the weak she is tyrannical to her victims to dissemble her vices she affects the virtues and often stains her mind with evil thoughts she has an appetite for those dignities that swell the vain, glorious, but are perilous to the weak and bitter to the perfect place her in authority and her vanity will make her imperious to her subjects yet she will be weak before the strong but will captivate the weak and enjoy their captivity she will vex the ambitious but the little-minded she will inflate and when they become inflated she will humiliate them the timid will serve her in fear the vain will flatter her with a show of worship The feeble and failing will think they stand firm under her protection this is that vice of vanity which does not strangle the virtues as some suppose but when the vicious embrace it it gives free play to their vices for vanity cannot penetrate a soul that is filled with the solid virtues what vanity tempts is the empty soul and the soul inflated with the ruinous pride of ambition and it brings them to the shame of ravening in the delight of public reputation like a ship without ballast these vain ones are tossed with every wind like the chaff blown from solid grain they are at the mercy of every breath of flattery their vanity does not so much make them vicious as show them to be vicious as they are swept round in the whirl of vain and idle affections the vain give up their weak will to every light impulse of their vanity they boast of things of which they know they are ignorant they undervalue holy persons as compared with themselves because they do the vile office of flattery to themselves and can see no perfection of which they are in want they love to be talked about and are not particular whether what is said of them be true or false they are fond of salutations are attentive to those who say to them pleasant things are docile to what delights them and are pleased with base things they love to teach what they do not know and to have great things believed of them and they will in words express their detestation of what in their hearts they covet deluded themselves they are grateful to those who will help their delusion and will clothe their vice with the name of virtue swift to promise they are slow to fulfil changeable in good they are tenacious in evil and can be grave in words when vile in thoughts elated in prosperity they are frail in adversity and are soon fretted when reproached and as they are immoderate in joy so are they easy-going in human things and difficult in spiritual things such is the morbid softness of vanity unconscious of its own disease and intolerant of the physician end of lecture thirteen part two